Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Life is full of what-ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to Upfront. I'm Chloe Morgan. And I'm Rachel O'Sullivan. The FA Cup fourth round didn't deliver the mega upsets we kind of hoped and expected, but it did deliver some drama. Uh, Wolves beating Reading, Arsenal's own players scoring against them, Villa getting battered by Everton are the headliners. We also discuss why Ellie Roebuck could be heading to the European champions. Uh, more goalkeeping transfer news, obviously. Did I write this script? No, I didn't. Yeah, but you probably had a hand in it, let's be real. Or Two. Thank you for that. Uh, and we preview last season's champions against last season's runners-up. It's only bloody Chelsea versus Man United this weekend. We were going to give you highlights of the weekend, but then some spicy, juicy little news dropped in the England media chat. Uh, yeah, we heard it about 10 or 15 minutes before it went public. Uh, Serena Wiegmann decided to sign a new contract literally just before we walked into the studio. Yeah, she signed until the 2027 World Cup. So we do have another major international tournament as well as the Euros, obviously, with Serena. I feel really happy about that. I think off the back of, you know, a bit of a turbulent couple of weeks, the Sam Kerr news, not great as a start to the season. Then we sort of got into the FA Cup. We kind of wanted a, maybe a bit more drama, but it, it didn't sort of, you know, everything sort of went to plan. And then we've got some nice... Positive news to start the show. I mean, Rach, what were your thoughts when you heard that? Tell me something wholesome. Delighted. Yeah? Absolutely delighted. Okay. Warmed me up on a chilly day. Oof, nice. Um, yeah, great news. Great for England to tire down. Um, won the FIFA best coach again. Uh, so also a good time to kind of Christ. announce the news as well. Um, but it's good, like England need, it's not need, but for England to have that kind of consistency. They know the journey. They know who's going to be in charge. Security. It, that's the word I'm looking for. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, you know what you get with Serena Vigman and she obviously wants to continue challenging herself. You know, I'm I'm sure she desperately wants to win a World Cup. And you know what I want, Chloe, in 2027? Mm. I want an Emma Hayes World versus Peace? Serena Vigman. No, no. Oh, I'd like that before yeah, 2027. Yeah, of course, close, close. Uh, Emma Hayes, Serena Vigman, USA, England coming together at some point. How good would that be? Oh, potentially in a 2027 World Cup final. Well, I mean, we can but dream. That would be huge. Could you imagine? I, they, I, mind blown. Yeah. Anyway, if they don't organise a little friendly before then, how yeah. cool would that be? Oh my God. That'd I mean, be good, wouldn't it? They've got to put that into practice. They I mean, they, they did it, what, was it a couple of years back? They were sat next to each other. 
last night. They did it after the Euros. It was a genius marketing when England won the Euros and like the next day they dropped European champions against world champions. I'll tell you what they will have been discussing. Salaries. I think uh, Wiegmann probably would have been inspired by the contract <laughs> negotiations going Tell me, on. Emma. <laughs> How did you get more zeros added onto yours? <laughs> what sort of quality you've got over there? I mean, the effort, I mean, there's been obviously no figures and that. There's been no rumours about what that new contract, uh, you know, the kind of like the, the nitty gritty of it, just the, the sort of length of it. But I would be thinking, Serena Wiegmann at the top of her game, trophy cabinet is absolutely full, got the Euros trophy, got the... You know, things missing. Few trophies missing she'll want. Oh, I mean, I mean, what, just what? the World Cup. I mean, I was going to say the um, what do you call it? The Arnold Clark. Oh, they have two of them. Of sure. course, I mean, Forgot. the big ones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. the finalissima. And the finalissima. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> where do you go from there? So it feels like okay. Now, when she first negotiated a contract to where she is now and what she's achieved, she's in a much better bargaining position. I could only hope that her agent has added, I don't know, three more, a couple of billions on there. <laughs> are you are you surprised? That she's signed. I'm not hugely surprised. Very glad she did. No. There okay. were loads of talks and discussions about it at the World Cup. When we were going to Terrigal, those lovely, lovely, long, lengthy trips down to the, the arse end of this beautiful place in, in Australia. Um, and we were kind of, you know, we'd asking the questions, Mark Billingham, what's going on? Like, you know, what's happening? Obviously, you know, she's progressing, we're progressing really well in these states. We, at that point, we thought, you know, we're going to actually win the final. And we were like, oh, like, what's going to happen? He was like, well, you know, we're in negotiations. Serena's really happy with the job that she's doing. The FA are really happy with what she's doing. It makes sense to kind of, you know, to keep going in that same direction. But we didn't hear it. We've not heard anything for six months. It's been really, really quiet. So... Yep, here we are. Congratulations, Serena. We are very, very happy that you're staying. We did at one point obviously have some concerns that you might be going over to the US, but Emma Hayes kind of obviously negated those concerns for us. But now we have you. Okay, so... Still. Still. Don't go. We're going to hold on to you. Don't ever leave. Right. um, Any more highlights from you, Rach, at all? I'll tell you what. Go on. Another highlight of my weekend. Maybe not my weekend, because this happened yesterday. Okay. Um, Going to Stamford Bridge. And recording a special interview for a bonus upfront episode that will be coming out this Thursday. Very jealous. We did ask our listeners uh, and our followers if they could guess. I think one person did. It was a little chat with the one, the only, <sighs> Neve Charles. Oh, lovely little chat with her. So jealous. Very nice to interview. What a great start to the week. You got an interview with Neve Charles, then you find out Serena's got the job. I mean, what tomorrow? What could tomorrow bring? I honestly don't. Comes in threes, right? Maybe. Casey Stoney returns to WSL. <clears throat> That's a leap, right? We'll hold that, put a pin in that. Yeah, we'll talk about that in a second. We've got a, a, a smorgasbord of, of stuff to get through. A, 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 tapas, a tapas platter. A tapas platter of things <laughs> to discuss. And that one's coming like third course, all right? Okay, cool. All right, let's get stuck in then. It's been a very busy weekend. It was so difficult trying to keep track of all the games because all of them started at one o'clock, in between 12 and one o'clock. And I was like... It was about 97 of them as well. It, it was that, which is lovely, but it was really hard to keep across yeah. it when you've only got one FA player account. Um, so let's start with the biggest upset. We've got two. Uh, Wolves from the National League North, toppling championship Reading. Uh, I mean, not like a massive, massive upset, but an upset all the same. For um, sure. And probably of all of the results, that would be the cup set, if if you like. Um, you know, we've talked about being worried about Reading when yeah. back when they were in the WSL, and we kind of thought if they go down, we feared that they would continue to slide. Yeah, you know, it's no secret that the club is having financial difficulties, um, broadly across the club. Um, so the idea that they'd suddenly start investing loads to try and get Reading back up to the WSL, we didn't feel like would happen. Um, and they have kind of had a bit of a slide, Reading. So a bit. <laughs> It's still an upset, though, for Wolves um, to win there. And, you know, those pictures coming from that game, the goals they scored, they're the moments, the FA Cup magic moments that you love to see. And, you know, there was a few of them across the day. Sheffield were 2-0 up at one stage against Tottenham. Felt like they were going to come away with the biggest cup set. And then I flicked back to my results page and was like, holy shit, it's (laughs) 3-2 to Spurs. Um, Of course... Chelsea needing extra time. You know, there was a few moments throughout the the day that you thought maybe we'd get some some cup sets, but maybe not as many as we thought. No, we kind of got what we ordered. A little bit, yeah. Tapas. Yeah. Mm. I mean, you headed to Moneyfields, uh, who were the second lowest ranked side left in the competition, and they did pretty well against London City. I mean, how, how did you find that game, Rage? So... I went to Moneyfields on Thursday to catch up with them at their training and to have a chat with them about 
this game was the biggest game in their history. They'd never made the fourth round before. I think the furthest they'd ever gotten was the first round. Um, so they were really excited to be coming up against London City Lionesses. Um, they travelled then to Dartford for that match. And the first half, I was really impressed. You know, they they looked solid. They didn't look out of place. Mm-hmm. They didn't look like a team who were a couple of divisions below. You know, I was really impressed with them. Um, and it was really unfortunate when they conceded the first goal. It was like 30 seconds left of injury time in the first half. You know, and I thought they deserved to go in nil-nil. Um, and I probably would have buoyed them a little bit more for the second half. Um, but yeah, Rusha Littlejohn got on the score sheet at the death of the first half. Uh, and then London City scored two goals in like four minutes. So it was kind of like a, you know, a double blow for, for money fields. But credit to them, they kept going. They they were getting chances of their own. Um, they kept pushing right to the end. They were like last ditch defending and all that kind of stuff. And again, the you know, the reason I wanted to go to that game was it's it was one of the stories. Them and Luton, mm-hmm. you know, some of the stories were there, they're coming up against oppositions a a league above or whatever it is, whatever the gap is, two leagues above sometimes. Um it was nice to see and I think they were really proud of their progress and how they did and um, their fans are great. So yeah, it was a good it was a good FA Cup moment. I think it's that with the FA Cup, isn't it? It gives you that chance to see teams that, you know, aren't on the FA player that you don't get to go and actually, you know, get to the games because of, you know, the distance they are away. I mean, Luton won the games. I mean, it's, it's interesting now because, you know, a side like Luton, now their men's side are in the Premier League is sort of what, you know, what progress are we going to see them making? Are they going to start to sort of, you know, get into sort of the mainstream, get into the championship at, at some point? And, you know, a team like Moneyfields that no one's really heard of or may not have gone to see or didn't even know existed, um, you know, getting that kind of exposure, I think, is massive. I mean, Burnley, to some extent, Plymouth Argyle, um, they had Ipswich Town there as well, Derby County. So Newcastle. Newcastle as well. Yeah, I mean, I'm kind of expecting them in the championship any day soon now, really. Um, but they, they did really well. You know, they took over a thousand travelling fans, I think it was, to Man United. Their crowds. That, are... that atmosphere must have been great because United have, you know, great fans. They sing, they're loud. And to have that many coming from Newcastle as well, it must have been a great atmosphere. Well, what I couldn't work out when I was watching the Manchester uh, United-Newcastle game, Toon obviously scored first. So Toon's running over into the crowd. There were shouts of Toon Also, the Toon. Oh. Yeah, yeah. Can I just shout out Ella Toon? Yeah, go on. One of the best celebrations I've seen this season. Which one? She was wearing one of those eye masks. She's obviously like got an injury. Oh, the Batman mask. I was so good. And then the other players came over and did like other superhero poses next to her. It was oh. ace. Now, I feel for the photographers because I don't think anybody was on that side of the pitch to actually capture the Gold. full four of the players. That would have gone wild on guest but there's images. A, there's a great video of the four of them all standing. They'd obviously planned it and I loved it. It was excellent. Um, but yeah, I mean, obviously one of the, the benefits of the FA Cup at this stage with the prize money uh, being increased uh, last year... Um, I mean, getting into this stage of the competition in the fourth round, uh, the winning club gets £54,000. The losing club gets £13,000. So that then rises to £80,000 for the winning club in the fifth round and £20,000 for the losing club. Um, So when you look at kind of the sums involved in, you know, this stage of the competition, whilst and we're not going to get into the debate at this stage about the comparison with the men's side of the prize money, this kind of money really matters, especially in the championship clubs and especially to the clubs in the sort of lower half of the WSL as well. Well, you know, money feels, just to go back to them again, despite their name, don't have a lot of money. Um, And we spoke to them when they were there. They said they hadn't actually played a home game at their ground in over 600 days since March 2021 because it's the clubhouse and everything. It's all being rebuilt and it's stalled and it's hard and you need money to do that. And, you know, runs like this just adds a little bit more into the pot to allow them to do that. Um, So, yeah, despite not winning... At least they're going home with something in their pocket. Oh my God, massively. I mean, for clubs like London City, uh, Notts Forest, uh, Charlton, Southampton, Crystal Palace, Wolves, getting that £20,000 in your bank, even if you go, you don't you don't come away with that win, is absolutely huge. That's essentially another player, pitch, referees, food, um, physio, like that's, that's all of those things. So you could argue maybe it should be weighted slightly differently, but that's a different chat. Okay. All right. Well, we'll leave the controversial FA Cup chat for later on. Moving on now to one of the biggest games of the fourth round. It was last year's semi-finalist Aston Villa against Everton. Everton walked away with the win 3-0. Pretty comfortably, Everton got two of their goals late on, but Villa started with a strong team. I mean, 
Rach, talk me through this because to me this feels like Villa are on a landslide again. They sort of they start on a landslide, seem to pick themselves a little bit up, sort of crawling up out of the rubble of the landslide, and then all of a sudden seem to be like shelving themselves back down again. I mean, to go from the heights of reaching the semi final and you know fifth place last year to then go in into this hole where you're already out of the FA Cup before teams like Wolves, London City, Southampton. Um, and badly as well. It wasn't just, it wasn't a really, really close game, a sort of 1 0 and you know, it's gone to penalties or whatever. It's a. Uh, Everton deserved to win that. Yeah, wholeheartedly. I yeah. mean, do you think this is more cause for concern or do you think this is just, okay, well, the FA Cup, that in a way, it's sort of that's out, that's done with now. We don't have to compete. We don't have those additional games. We can just focus on the league now, essentially. It's hard sometimes to pinpoint what issues are with teams. And, you know, it, it, it comes with seeing them play regularly. And I do think sometimes being there helps see things you maybe wouldn't see on TV. And I've started to see a little bit more of Villa. And I guess you feel like you can start to maybe see patterns a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think a lot of that is they start well. They'll dominate early. They don't get the goals. Yep. And they seem to panic. That's what it feels like. And the other team then got, like Everton massively grew into the game. I thought I, I thought Villa started really well with great energy. Didn't put chances to bed. Everton then grew into the game, started to create better chances. They looked better organised. They pressed well. They should have gone in at halftime ahead, Everton. Mm-hmm. And I feel like Aston Villa, it, maybe the mentality side of things, because the players are ultimately the same, most of the same players from last season. Yeah. Same manager. But it feels like they panic. And, and when they get into the final third, they just can't seem to be creative enough. They yep. they feel they, they lose possession cheaply from players as well. You wouldn't expect to be losing possession. You, you're Jordan Nobbs, you're Lucy Stan, mm-hmm. you're like Stan and Forts. It just feels like there's a bit of a... Disjointed. Yeah, and a bit of a panic in there. And I, you know, I, I thought back to maybe how they started last season. You start last season with a big upset. You beat Man City at home at Villa Park. You start the season in such a good frame of mind. We can take on anybody, mm-hmm. right? And it feels like they've had the opposite this season. They've started the season poorly. And as yep. it's gone on, it just seems like mentality shift maybe on the pitch. Because Carla Ward says off the pitch, you know, they really believe. But sometimes it feels like on the pitch, they don't really believe they can get back into it. Even things like late substitutions. I really didn't understand why. Sure. I think it was the 83rd minute. Ebony Salmon and Alicia Lehman came on. They were 2-0 down at that stage. Mm-hmm. You know, there's not a huge amount those players are going to be able to do in such a short space of time. So things like that, I think maybe an over-reliance on the starting 11 or a starting 11 um, and and maybe not changing things up a bit earlier. But also credit to Everton. Um, they looked organised and I've been worried about Everton. I think they've they've done well given the amount of injuries they've had in the, at the beginning of the season. It was great to see depth in that Everton squad. They've had players yeah. come back. They've brought in Madsen, um, a new signing and cool on loan, which I think are really good gets for them. Um, and they could be really beneficial. I still, despite what Brian said post-match, I still want them to bring in a defender, even if it's on loan. They've lost Natalie Bjorn. Yep. That's a big loss, especially having lost Gabby George, Ricky Savek. Like, I do think they need some stability, an older head maybe. They're a young team. Um, but I still credit to, I thought Holmgaard and Finnegan looked really comfortable together. Heather Payne was brilliant on the, on the full-back position. But equally, you have to say, Aston Villa, I don't think, challenged that defence enough either. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I was impressed with Everton and, yeah, disappointed with Aston Villa. And it's, it's yeah, hard to believe they were the, the team that really ran Chelsea close last season in the semi-finals of the FA Cup. I think, for me, though, are we looking too much at how poor Aston Villa have been and not taking it in the context of what they've achieved since getting into the WSL? Because we do that all the time, don't we? It's that every single time they've been in, every single season in the WSL, they've gone up and up and up and up. This season, unlikely they're going to finish fifth, but could still happen. It's not out of the realm of possibility. But when you kind of, you know you have to go through different experiences as a team. You have to go through those blips, those seasons that things don't go to plan for whatever reason. You know, you can't blame injuries or you can't blame, you know, the sign-ins. You can't blame the manager. Actually, things just don't click for whatever it is. And I think as long as you kind of ride out that storm, get to the end of the season, regroup, and then say, actually, the 2024-25 is going to have to be our one. This year wasn't, but let's kind of write it off. Because like, you look at like someone like Man City, they have to, they've earned that kind of mentality, starting a season poorly and then coming back in the second half of the season and nearly getting that Champions League spot. So I think if you're going to be in the top, you have to ride out seasons like this. It's almost like... Let's not take it as, you know, Aston Villa on a, you know, a, a steep, start, sharp train back into the championship. Absolutely not. Let's yeah. like 
get a bit of a, a cooler head on this. It's yeah. okay to have a shit show of a season. And it's actually something I spoke to Neve Charles about, about mentality and, and you know, spoiler alert, um, but you can hear more about this during the week. But she talked about how it takes time. Mm-hmm. You know, things don't happen overnight. You don't do something good once and then it's going to be like that all the time. For like sure. it's a it's a consistent thing you need to work on. And Because otherwise the expectation on uh, Aston Villa would have been Champions League football this year and then what number, what... WSL title in 25, 20, 26. Like, yeah. It just doesn't, it doesn't happen. And we spoke about Can. this at the beginning of the season when people were questioning Carla Ward and we were saying, you know, clubs can't be so naive to think your team is over, overachieved. We've seen it with Spurs. Yep. They've overachieved in a season. That can't be your base level now. Yeah, for sure. Because that's just unrealistic in that short space of time. And sometimes you have a season where things go your way and you've got the right mentality and you take down a giant and you say, we can take on anybody. And that can have a huge impact. For sure. Uh, We should get a psychologist in here to talk about mentality in sport because it'd be so interesting to, we maybe don't factor that in enough as it being a skill. Yep. You know what I mean? Like we talk a lot about the training you do on the pitch, but actually mentality wise, believing in a team or believing that, you know, when, you're when gonna get a goal. Going to yeah. Plan. Look yeah. at the change in Manchester United. They used to struggle at the end of games to see games out. Yeah. And now you can never write them off. They are scoring goals so late into games sometimes. They know that nothing is over until that final whistle. It sounds cliche, but it's such a valuable part of, of playing the game, I imagine. Well, look at Chelsea at the weekend. I mean, there was just a confidence there that they were going to get the result. I mean, it's that. All right. Or maybe we don't. Let's not panic. There is still half the season, over half, just over half the season left to go. So let's see what happens. Let's dissect this at the end. We've done a halfway review. I think we've been very fair, very objective about the whole situation. Um, right. The fifth round draw was completed last night at half seven. My lot, Crystal Palace head to Chelsea. I think this might be the first time the sides have ever met. So I am very excited. I will definitely be going to this game because I definitely want to see what the matchup is like. Obviously, Crystal Palace doing the absolute business this year in the championship. Um, yeah, looking like potential WSL contenders, but the top of the table is very tight. Uh, the big tie, the big matchup, the big boys, Arsenal hosting Man City. Uh, that comes a week before Arsenal hosts Man United. So, <laughs> Arsenal have not had an easy ride in the FA Cup recently, have they? They got knocked out by Chelsea in the fifth round last year. It was, um, you know, it it could have been better for them. I feel like the draw was a bit meh. Do you know what I mean? I would have loved to have seen, uh, you know, more teams lower down the table facing each other and then you know one of them is getting through. You know, like last year, I think it was Southampton-Ipswich. Yeah. And you're like, well, you know one of them two are going through, which is really exciting. Whereas it feels a bit like, you know, there's maybe less opportunity for that. But look... As always, it's the FA Cup, right? It's a one-off game. For sure. And anything can happen. And, you know, Southampton hosting Man United. That's so exciting. They got such a big crowd down for the Arsenal game in the Conti Cup. 100%. Only lost 2-1. With the travelling Man United fans, the atmosphere there could be unreal. So that that's one that I have my eye on. I think the Tottenham Shelton one will also be a bit of a spicy fit. There's always been sort of um from the championship days, there's always been a kind of rivalry with them too. Uh I'm not entirely sure where they ever started from, but I know in my heart of hearts there's something that it really vehemently doesn't dislikes Charlton just right. from the playing days. Wow. Yeah. As a you know, an ex player, okay, now, fine. I feel very much at peace with that. But <laughs> I quite like that Wolves and Nottingham are playing at home. Yeah, you know, we talk about the impact of, of of the money you get from the cup. Mm-hmm. Now you don't have to pay for travel necessarily. Do you know what I mean? You don't necessarily have to pay for hotels. So like more of that hopefully coming back into the club, but also just an exciting day to host an FA Cup fifth round and to host WSL teams. That's so exciting. Which one are you going to go to? I really want to see Southampton Man United. Yeah? Yeah, I'm excited about that. Maybe we do an up the front at the match special for that one. And up the front. Up the front. Yeah, I love that. Up the front at the match. (laughs) Rebrand. Finn, get working on that, will you? Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? 
helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Let's do a bit of a deep dive, I think, into Arsenal and what has been happening with them recently. The main thing, obviously, Arsenal beating Watford and our pal Lucia Leon 5-1 on Sunday. Um, but one of Arsenal's own scored Watford's goal, Michelle Adjiman. She was one of three 17-year-olds on loan from Arsenal who played, the other two being Katie Reid and Leila Harbert. Uh, Reed said they actually heard about the FA Cup draw when they were at Arsenal's training ground in December. I mean, I thought it was a really lovely moment. I think this is this would have been my probably if you'd have you know bothered to ask me at the, the start of the show, Rach, about my I moment was told of the that we um, weren't doing moments of the weekend, Chloe. Moment of the weekend. Just you started talking about Serena. I would have said that was probably one of my kind of. Um, because Ida Villar obviously had he had to make a decision. Obviously, they went out on uh, loan to Watford to try and get playing experience, to build up their confidence in the championship, you know, to work with other team members, to kind of, you know, develop them as players, essentially. And, you know, Ida Villar beforehand was sort of saying, you know, it wasn't an easy decision. He was in two mindsets, you know, having, you know, players play against Arsenal. Um, it being a sort of, you know, the first competitive game of the new year, um, you know, the FA Cup obviously being an incredibly important, um, you know, trophy for, for Arsenal to, to get, especially considering what happened to them last year um, and he was sort of saying you know you do everything in your power to get every inch on your side to get that competitive edge otherwise you wouldn't respect the opposition and there would, and that would be obviously a big mistake but for the few times in his career he said I'm willing to give up a competitive advantage to invest in the future of Arsenal short term I'm not very happy about that decision because they're really <laughs> good players who can cause us a lot of problems but long term it's the right decision because it will develop them the most I love that he said we believe so much in these three players long term that that overrides every other perspective like oh. that probably doesn't happen very often in football no so that was quite nice and so for her to get the goal as well I mean Jesus it was a horrendous defending from Arsenal but all the same to get on the score sheet um, was pretty cool and yeah for them to get to play was brilliant as well God so young I think it was just a great example of incredible management I think obviously he's made that short term call for the loanees to be able to play against Arsenal to have that experience in front of a big crowd for an FA Cup game you know very intense very high pressured and obviously you know a lot of attention was on these three being loanees and going against the parent club but you know to invest in the development of the players and think about the long term future of the club I mean the experience they would have gained then is only going to benefit them when they drop back into the team. And he obviously thinks that they are going to be first team players at some point in the future, uh, whether it's with Arsenal or they might obviously go to another club. But I just thought that was a really kind of, um, that was a nice like fatherly type moment. Like <laughs> I really have your best interests at heart here. Um, so yeah, credit to Idevall. I, I, I thought that was a really, really touching moment. <laughs> you know, wipes away tear. <laughs> um, but no, I thought Watford did well. They obviously put in quite a shift on the day. I mean, they held Arsenal to 2 0 until the 66th minute, and then obviously the, the floodgates started to open with that. That's often the case. attacking line. Yeah, it's often the case as well when, you know, you have to be so disciplined against a team that's above you for 90 minutes. They're fitter than you, you know. So it's often the case where you can hold on for so long and then the floodgates open. Yeah, against obviously all the Arsenal fans on their side. I mean, it was just, it's at their home grounds. Like, you know what's coming. I remember when I played Arsenal in the FA Cup against, uh, I was with Crystal Palace at the time. The score was 9-0. Oh. It was 9-0. <sighs> I, I I think I made... Yeah, but uh, did you no, make... There was no. no comeback, no. I was going to say, how many saves did you make? But Pff, I made one great save. It was against uh, Katie McCabe. 
Um, Ooh, yeah, that hurt. It really did. It took me a while to recover from that. And that was in the like sec- second minute. So I knew it was going to be a hard game because it was like a one-on-one. And I was like, how have we ended up in a one-on-one in a second minute? <laughs> but arguably, I bet a lot of your best games are games you lost because you've come up against a lot of shots, right? And you have a lot of work to do. They're not the ones I like to remember, though. They're not like, oh, God, you remember that? 9 nil. Maybe loss. not 9 So many things yeah. in that day. Gosh, how to pick the ball up from the back of the net again. <laughs> how to ignore the crowds as they shout and chant. How to save a one-on-one with Katie McCabe. <laughs> I remember the bruise from that. You could kind of see the imprint of like, it was like mitre balls as well. So they were, they were hard. They were hard balls. Anyway, moving on from that very traumatic moment. Uh, back in the WSL, Arsenal face Everton on Saturday. Uh, Miedemar started against Watford um, for the first time against, with Russo. That was the first time they've started together, isn't it? Oh. I think. Might be. <laughs> well, so it, I had my eye on so many games at the weekend. <laughs> Did not pick up on that. It was like that gif, wasn't it? Of kind of like the, yeah. all the numbers and stuff coming down. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, Anne started against the game uh, against Spurs in the Conti Cup. So do you think we're going to see her back in action starting uh, in the lineup for uh, the WSL? Potentially, weekend? potentially. Um, I think, you know, we can't really compare her comeback to... Beth Meads, we can't put the same level of expectation on her. Yeah. Um, and if you've watched their step-by-step documentary, she's spoken about the trust in her body and how her and Beth, Beth differ in that respect. Absolutely. Like Beth did, went back and did, didn't think about her knee, didn't think, is this, am I going to land okay? Is this impact going to be it's okay if I run? Yeah, and, I, and Viv comes across very much as a thinker and she said that it's taken her a bit longer to trust her body and she overthinks everything. So... I think, yeah, comparing people's comebacks is kind of pointless. So I think it will be maybe a, a bit of a slower comeback for her, but there's still moments like flashing moments in when you see her play where you're like, she's still got it. Like she's, that's not something, that innate skill is not something you lose. And I think in her first game back against Bristol, she almost set up Beth Mead with a through ball with one of her yeah. first touches of the match. Um, and the keeper managed to smother, I think, if I remember correctly. So like, she still got it. She just needs to get like, trust herself again. Um, but yeah, exciting for, for Arsenal. And she's not the only one potentially coming back. Like full fitness, is she, Chloe? Edivo in the, uh, the press conference last week was saying that Leah Williamson is not too far off returning. I mean, we've seen quite a few photos over the last couple of months of her sort of, you know, running. Uh, she looks, you know, she looks like she's getting into good shape. Um, and obviously, it's, you know, it's, everyone's journey is a little bit different, but it looks like we're going to be seeing our Arsenal defence Back to absolute flying form. And that's not to say, actually, that, you know, what they've got already isn't yeah. too shabby. It's been a bit shaky. Um, I mean, yeah, how exciting is that to it's, get it's, in- England captain, Arsenal hero back where she belongs? A player back from an ACL injury is always such an exciting moment. Um, and obviously Arsenal has seen a lot of them. Um, but it will be great to see her back. And I think it's probably why we won't see loads of signings for Arsenal in mm-hmm. the January transfer window because they've got these players coming back. It's like having new signings again you know you've got so much depth now um, so it's really exciting for Arsenal that's not to say though there haven't been new signings Chloe oh gosh it's almost like we've worked together now for two th- and a half years I think the fox is out of the bag oh <laughs> stop it absolute gosh gold I feel like sometimes they're so cheesy it feels almost Alan Partridge like yeah, somebody's like sorry uh, as we discussed last week Emily Fox was spotted at Arsenal's training ground in the background she wasn't f- just hanging out it turns out she's signing for them I mean, it was. I mean, she she played. <laughs> I imagine. Oh no, I was just there watching. I don't know. Yeah. Big fan. You know, full Arsenal kit. Yeah, just a massive fan girl. Full kit wanker. Don't know what you're on about. Um, so obviously, the news surprised absolutely nobody. Arsenal. I thought we said Arsenal were going to do something really catchy, really like funny, like you know, tongue in cheek. We made a bit of a mistake. Um, yeah. But here she is. But no, it was very kind of like business as usual. We haven't seen anyone say they did do a video where they were like, "You guys have been busy." And oh, it was, did they? Yeah, and it was someone they were scrolling through Twitter with all the tweets about it. So they did lean into it. I hold my hands up. Apologies, Arsenal. And they also did something on TikTok. I don't I don't TikTok it's too it's... young for you. Tok Toks, you say? <laughs> <laughs> Emily Fox. Uh, I thought I mean she started it right back on uh Sunday, but I mean she played high as hell. It almost felt like despite Arsenal getting another defender, they've also got themselves another threat in attack. It's almost like you could get a go- the next goalkeeper you get will probably be will probably be able How to good is she with her feet as a number nine. <laughs> yeah. It's hard to say. So Arsenal are playing a front eleven. <laughs> I 
I mean, yeah, the, the runs that she was making on the wings. Um, I mean, she didn't look out of place. It didn't look like her first game in. You expect maybe a bit of rust, you know, adjusting to people's style of play. But it, it just felt like she'd been there for years and years and years. So she was absolutely a welcome addition. Um, yeah, I mean. And they've already got a chant for her <laughs> already. Do the chant. To be fair, I, don't, I wasn't there. I don't know the, the chant that well just because I don't know the song that well. I'm really sorry. But I will say they did have a bit of time to practice, I guess, given it was the worst kept secret. I mean, yeah, they've been given, what, a week and a half? Yeah. Yeah. But very impressed once again that they've got a chant already for her. Well, talking of keepers who might actually, you know, also fit into a number nine position, number 10, you never know, go on the wings. <laughs> uh, the versatility of Arsenal squad is, is rapidly growing. Um with the Gold Cup in February and March, uh, Arsenal's second keeper, Sabrina D'Angelo, will be called up uh, for Canada. So that will take her away from the Arsenal squad. She's the sort of backup keeper um, for Arsenal, for Zinsberger. So Idaville, obviously a little bit concerned. Something happens to Zinni, then left kind of in the, well, left in the lurch, basically. Um, he's sort of very strongly suggested that former Leon keeper Sarah Bihadi, uh, she's 37 years old, has 149 caps for France, is going to be the replacement. She's going to be stepping into that kind of second spot. Um, I suppose not only to kind of cover that gap where D'Angelo's away, but also to kind of, you know, be in and around the squad, improving standards, you know, keeping that competitive level quite high. Um, now that sort of the Mary Earps rumour seems to have, you know, rapidly subsided, well, given that she maybe going to um, PSG, I suppose. But yeah, I think that's a, a pretty good shout on. It's rogue, um, given I don't think she's... Has she played a lot recently? Um no. Obviously, she stepped away from her international career as well. I just have vague memories of her making a few hellers every now and then. But listen, she's made... She's obviously a good keeper, um, has played uh, at Lyon, um, of course, a lot of games at Lyon. But... Um, it was rogue. I didn't see it coming. I think it's that. It's not, I don't, sorry, she's intended to kind of come in and replace Zinsberger. It's more that she is just intended to kind of sit on the bench, really, and just sort of, I, I can't be bad for her, sort of seeing out the rest of her career in a in a club like Arsenal. I mean, I've, you know, I've been in worse, worse clubs. Um, another goalkeeper transfer rumour, um, Ellie Roebuck. Very strong rumours that there are advanced talks for her um, moving to Barcelona. Um, I mean, she'd obviously been joining former teammates, Kira Walsh, Lucy Bronze. Um, I mean, it has, I can't say it's been unexpected that she's considering a move uh, to another club just generally, given what's happened to her this season. Obviously, Kiara Keaton stepping in, taking that number one spot. No one can really get to the bottom of what's happening and why she's gone from, you know, Gareth Taylor's first choice last season, starting the, the vast majority of the WSL games to then being very quickly dropped, not not even making a single minute, not doing any of the FA Cup games, not the Conti Cup games. Um, obviously, that's impacted as well her England career, having been dropped from the squad with um, Serena not selecting her uh, a couple of months back. So it's not really surprising that she's going to go to a, another side. Is Barcelona the right choice for her? I, I, I'm not entirely convinced you are going up against two incredibly strong keepers, one of which, Catacol, who obviously appeared in and just won a World Cup with Spain. I am kind of anticipating that Ellie Roebuck, again, is going to be spending a large amount of time on the bench, but at least it's sunny. <laughs> It'll be a warm bench. No, <laughs> um, an interesting move. I didn't expect that. Um, you know, we don't know. There could be rotation. There'll be a new manager. There could be rotation yeah, sure. across competitions, maybe, an opportunity for her to play more football. I mean, she needs to play. So you don't know what the conversations are that um, that she's been having. Um, you know, she's good with her feet. It could that kind of football could be could be good for her. Could be good for Barcelona to have a goalkeeper who's yeah. who's good with her feet and distribution and stuff. So yeah, an interesting one. I just want to see her go somewhere where she can play. Would it not make more sense to literally go across the road and play for Manchester United? It well, means that depends if Mary Earps does leave. Mary Earps will be leaving. Whether it's January or this summer, she will be going. It almost feels like you might as well just go into Manchester United. It's literally... So she across the road. Who knows? Maybe she wants a fresh challenge. And you'll get game time. Maybe she doesn't like the Man United, Manchester weather. You know, there's lots of factors that feed into it and I guess you know, we don't know what the conversations are with Barcelona do Maybe we? She, she could be do Friday night games at least sports she could be, be potentially fair. going deep into Champions Leagues and all sorts yeah it's very so. exciting yeah but you know Man United, Manchester United 
are were in the Champions League briefly. Yeah, but at the end of the day, she needs to play. That's what we need. That's what we want for her. Wherever she goes, we just want to see her play. Would you rather play in the Champions League with Manchester United or would you rather sit on the bench for Barcelona knowing that you could actually win a Champions League trophy but also that you haven't played a single minute? But she could play more Champions League games with Barcelona in a group stage that they're going to win than the one game that or whatever That's that right. Manchester United played. Do you know the, what I mean? The goal, the goalkeeping like I don't know. You're the goalkeeper at Barcelona is so high. You tell me. You're the goalkeeper, man. I don't know. I think I'd rather play. <clears throat> I mean, that is. I mean, she's so young as well. I mean, the only way she's going to get back into the England squad is by playing. Mm. And it's almost like a a blessing in disguise for her that we were kicked out of the Olympics because it's almost like well, she doesn't. She's not actually missing out on major international football with England. So if anyone has kind of benefited from being <laughs> <laughs> dropped out of the Olympics, they're all benefiting. They'll have a bit of a break. It's Roebuck, I suppose, in a way, because she's like, well, cool, no FOMO for me this summer. This weekend, let's get back to it. Big WSL action. Um, I'm buzzing for this game. Absolutely buzzing. At Stamford Bridge, Chelsea are hosting Manchester United. We will wait and see what the crowds are saying. I'm hoping... They're expecting over 20,000. Which will be absolutely decent for Stamford Bridge because I know you know Chelsea have struggled to get the kind of crowds down there. The last time these two sides met, I had to have a look back, it was the FA Cup final on the 14th of May. The time before that, March 2023, both times Chelsea won 1-0, both times they were Sam Kerr goals. Who's missing this weekend? Ooh, that's a good little stack, though. Curless. They're going to be curless, but will they be careless? Oh, did you write that down? Did you have that prepped? I actually have, yeah. That was really good. Thank you. Well done. This is the matchup, isn't it? This feels like the top two from last season are going head-to-head. Last year, there was two points in it. Currently, Chelsea sits seven points clear of Manchester United, who are in fourth. Obviously, a win for Chelsea this weekend would see them go 10 points clear, which feels like a pretty big gap uh, for Manchester United to climb back from. Um, Yeah, what are you expecting from this weekend, especially without Kerr? We've seen a kind of what Chelsea are about this weekend. They did look like they were struggling. They did have to rely on extra time to make sure that they were in the fifth round of, of the FA Cup. Mia Fischel? Are we kind of going to see... Big Fish. Can we shout out her celebration as well? Loved it. Yeah. I mean, do we think that she is going to be the kind of saving grace and could be making a start rather than a sub for Hayes, given how well she did? Yeah, potentially. Um, You know, you've got Aggie Beaver-Jones as well. Um, You can get goals from Guro, Fran, Lauren James, Aaron Cuthbert, uh, Shoska Nuskin. Like, you know, there's gold in that squad. Um, it's I'm really excited for this one. I think the fact that it's the first WSL game back after the Christmas break. I know they both had FA Cup games, um, you know, maybe a little bit of rusty from Chelsea, given they were adapting to life without Sam Kerr. A really good, positive win for Manchester United, getting goals as well, which will be key for them ahead of this game. Um, because, you know, it's going to be tough for both sides. So, yeah, I'm really excited for it and actually kind of hard to to call, I think. Um, and Man United have never beaten Chelsea. This is like the final hurdle for them. The final it? frontier. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it makes it all the more exciting. It's at Stamford Bridge. Over 20,000, you know, Chelsea fans have got some great chance. Manchester United have great travelling fans. So I'm hoping for a good atmosphere as well. Um, I'm going to be at that game. So I'm I'm excited. Well, talking of Manchester United fans, there's kind of been some news recently that people have... Um, a, there's a little bit of discontent, I think. A little bit of... Um, you know, people not feeling particularly uh, like Skinner is performing the way that they expected him to. Obviously, the expectations this season are so high with Manchester United finishing second, getting into the FA Cup final, making Champions League football. You know, currently they are not in the best place in the WSL. But again, we still do have a whole half a season left to go and anything could happen. Man United fans are always very, they've always been vocal. The Barmy Army, even from my playing days, used to give me utter shit on the field. <laughs> um, so yeah, I think there's been sort of a few chants, you know, saying that, you know, is this the right time for Mark Skinner to move on? Um, I don't think that's what the chant was, but it was the gist of it. Uh, I've, I've been light and polite about the whole situation. <laughs> <laughs> Can you imagine a sign? Mark Skinner. Um, um, perhaps something worth considering. Uh, <laughs> is Mark Skinner the correct job? person for this? No, it's not quite what the chant was. But yeah, I mean, to me, I feel like we can't take away from the fact that he has achieved so much with United. Obviously, taken over the reins from Casey Stoney, you know, achieved incredible things, made history with the club. 
But there has also been a kind of sense of, okay, we've achieved this. We now seem to be, we've taken a bit of a dip. Uh, we've lost a very few good players uh, over last summer. Um, and we look to be maybe losing Mary Earps this summer. I'm not too sure, obviously, who will be replacing her. I mean, Rach, do you think that Skinner's post is under threat? Um, I mean, I'm just thinking back not, to what we were saying about, about Carla Ward and about, you know, expectations and, and about the time that's needed. And, you know, you kind of can't say that and then not, apply similar thoughts to Manchester United. I can understand why fans are frustrated because it really felt like United were on this upward trajectory. For sure. FA Cup final for the first time. A great game that was, you know, challenging right to the end, getting into Champions League. And I guess there is maybe a little bit of panic given the current state of where Manchester United are at the moment. But as you say, still half a season to go we've seen clubs massively change their fortunes in the second half of seasons or come out with a different frame of mind um, but equally like fans have every right to be frustrated and disgruntled and to express that um, so look with a name like Manchester United and Mark Skinner always talks about the club and the, how big the club is and the badge and stuff expectations are always going to be high for sure um, so I think yeah you're going to have to wait to the end of the season and see what they achieve you know, will they win something for the first time? Will they at least get Champions League? Mm-hmm. You know, they're important things that need to be addressed, I guess, by the end of the season. I would say that's fair, actually. I'd say that's very fair. And I think, um, actually, I was quite impressed by the way Skinner dealt with the whole fan situation. He, you know, he was kind of saying, well, you know, that is to be expected. You know, I'm a manager. That That's going to happen. People are allowed to express their discontent. We do have very passionate um, fans, but generally speaking, you know, the positive vibe, there's been a positive vibe and a, and a big energy around the club. So, I I would have to say that I think he probably is going to stay at United. I don't think his position is under immediate threat. They're Unless not, things go drastically wrong in the second half of the it, season. It's that. If they start doing a sort of Aston Villa type nosedive, then maybe. But I, I don't think they're in such a bad position when you look at the type of you know team. Man City, Arsenal, Chelsea at the top. I mean, you, you can't just be expecting you're going to be making Champions League football and getting into the top two every single year. No one could expect that. Arsenal, Man City aren't expecting that. So why should the same pressure be applied Ooh, I to... I think Arsenal and Man City are expecting that, to make Champions League. I mean, you are, you want to, but I mean, Manchester City didn't last year. So I think they have... to expect that, but if you've got top, a top four yeah. and there are only three spots, you can't expect... There's a guarantee that you're going to be making that every year like there was before Manchester United went into the top four race. Yeah, I think you could be that... understandably frustrated if they finish fourth or below. If they get knocked out early of cup competitions, you can be understandably frustrated because... Well, like the well, Champions League. Well, obviously, Manchester United, their growth has been incredible. It still feels like their progress has has been like steady and, mm-hmm. you know, a bit more natural than kind of a really good season and then a really bad season. Yeah. So you want to maintain that momentum, right? So I can understand the frustration, but equally, as the league gets harder and it does every year, it's going to get harder to maintain that momentum, right? Or momentum will slow. Agreed. Well, speaking of Manchester United managers, well, more former managers, there's also been some very big rumours this past couple of weeks about uh, Emma Hayes' successor. Um, There were a few comments made from the Chelsea players that they they were sort of more... Um, on board with the fact that or more on board with Chelsea getting um, a female coach in to replace her naturally I think a lot of people were thinking well who are some amazing female coaches in the elite levels of the game and naturally Casey Stoney and Laura Harvey uh, came up as sort of the front runners uh, in the kind of um, in the current talks at the moment I personally would love to see Casey Stoney back I'd love to I'd love to see it but I feel like the timing of it, it's going to make it a really difficult Don't decision for her. Don't shit on my parade. I'm not shitting on your parade. I'm just giving you some parameters to consider. So if it doesn't happen, you're not so disappointed, Chloe. I no, I think whilst the news hasn't been confirmed, I think it's still good to hope. Sure. I mean, I'd love to see Casey Stoney as an England manager one day. Um, and this would be a great step for her. But equally, what she's building over in America is pretty incredible. She's just managed to sort out all the difficult things of getting her family over there. Um, and it just maybe feels like a little bit too soon, but equally, it's such an exciting opportunity. So it's it's going to be a tough decision, I think, for Casey Stoney, but I wouldn't be hugely surprised if she doesn't come back yet. Oh my God, can you imagine the socials for a Casey Stoney comeback? She literally built Manchester United from her bare hands, but to see her kind of 
I, I don't know. Like if, if Skinner maybe left and then Casey Stoney oh my God. came back in. This is how rumours start, Chloe. I, I mean, I'm just throwing it out there into the ether. I mean, <laughs> she's not going to be taking the Chelsea job. Maybe once the position does become, if Skinner leaves this season or in the next couple of years, then maybe there's a position there for Casey Stoney to come back and sort of finish what she started. I feel there's, there's so many options for Casey Stoney. There's so many <laughs> options. But yeah, I do think she'd be a great fit at Chelsea. She obviously has that experience. She has the respect of players. Um, you know, she's done great things with Manchester United, doing amazing things with San Diego. So yeah, I kind of... The other potential option uh, from across the pond is Laura Harvey, whose yes. name has been floated. And I swear I saw her, her at Stamford Bridge Had at first. a Champions League game before Christmas. Um, she'd be another potential shout as well. There's, you know, there's good options out there um, but I'm I'm intrigued I feel like Chelsea are keeping their cards close to their chest but aren't they it's exciting exciting times Chloe. it's just that when are you going to reveal it tell us yeah uh, come on come on so one of our listeners Layla got in touch one of our close Sullivans thank you so much for submitting a question um, she said the FIFA best awards discuss I mean Rachel were you surprised that Serena's 400th trophy this year not in her lifetime no not hugely surprised I mean I feel like I wouldn't have been hugely surprised if she hadn't won it either Um, but I don't think the kind of top three awards were particularly controversial I think the well Matty didn't see that coming (laughs) I think the best 11 was probably the surprise of the night Um, and look we could sit here and discuss who should be in it and who shouldn't be in it um, but we probably wouldn't even have the same best eleven ourselves. So I, you know, at the end of the day, this is it's like a it's an opinion based thing, which is fair enough. But I do think it's really interesting. It throws up an awful lot of questions when you see so many WSL players get in. It is a very England heavy squad, and of course, England are a top nation. Did make the World Cup final, but I am surprised at how many England players were in there. I think it was very Spain light, given we're talking about a tapas table here I am nice I think it was quite Spain light given um, you know they won the World Cup given the majority of the Barcelona team are Spanish I would have expected to see more of them in there but at the end of the day it is voted for by players and I think that throws up other questions you know is there enough access to watching to matches and and, uh, leagues across the world across Europe are they able Mm -hmm. to see as many matches as they should. Is the WSL one of the easiest leagues to access potentially? Is that why it's so WSL heavy? Do we expect players to watch more football? Do we expect players to be following leagues and that kind of thing? Or, you know, it's an interesting conundrum, I think, because it it is an interesting 11. um, And and yeah, quite a few that surprised me, to be totally honest. I don't know about you, but that was probably the most controversial thing out of it. Um, In terms of voting for these things, as a player, I mean, you were a former player. Do Was you I? so long ago now? Do you think what do you think would have kind of impacted that, or would impact your decision? Because obviously, there's differences, I guess, as a player with other players. You might see it differently. You might appreciate things differently to say a fan would. Um, I think. I mean, players are essentially people so I think it and that sounds like a really basic point but you know what's important to you when you're choosing things like this is it that they are the most talented person or actually is it because they've done other stuff outside of football they've fought for things they've campaigned they've been vocal on issues um, as well as obviously you know you have to have a certain degree of talent there as well but I think it's almost how much you respect those people as opponents I mean a lot of the the people in this or a lot of the women that are in this um squad have obviously played against each other, might even be playing on the same team as each other. So they will kind of have that in-depth understanding of, you know, what makes them a quality player over and above us as an audience. So they get to see sort of, you know, the dedication at training, their commitment, you know, the things that sort of go on behind the scenes. Maybe they're part of player groups that you might not be aware of or might be, you know, speaking to the FA or doing things with the PFA, things like that. So I think, um, or other, you know, sporting organisations, I talk about the FA and the PFA because it's literally but a yeah, squad. But yeah, UEFA, FIFA, all those kind of groups. Yeah. 100%. And I think, um, yeah, I think you, you, I think it's good to know sort of what goes into making choices like this. I mean, it's great that it's, you know, a, a players voted thing. I mean, how often do we see awards that are nominated by, you know, people in the media or kind of fans? And then you obviously get, you get the mainstream names. And I, and I was, I was surprised to see Alex Morgan in there. I, I can't say that this has been the most stellar year for her to deserve a you know world's best player 
it wouldn't it wouldn't have been for me. It would have been my my voting choice. Even the it was like a three five two. It was such an unusual kind of like wasn't Alessia Russo? Where's how's she fitting into that? Midfield? Yeah, I mean I holding midfield. Player? I don't know. It's, it was it, an unusual. Yeah, so, so I think it's, it's also like, I mean, how did the players vote? Did they vote for, you know, formations? Did they have a, li- a sort of short list of names they could choose from? Was it an, a completely open thing? Or did they have, you know, one, two, three, four and five, choose this person? But I, I do think it, it's not the most reflective list of, you know, the absolute best, but also it is subjective. And I think, um, you know, I, I can't say that any, any of those players, are, you know, were absolutely shocking. They're completely outlandish. But do I think there are some players in there that there are, that would have, been better suited who aren't in there I mean Lauren Hemp for example we were kind of talking about that on the sort of way to the show like you know she's in, she's had an incredible year just picked up a bloody MBE in the King's Honours um, yeah and, and rightly so I just um, yeah I think it's it's a good it's, it's a good list I think I would have made some tweaks okay so I'll give you a little bit of insight into how it's it's voted for um, there's a affiliated player unions distribute unique links that give players access to a digital voting platform Footballers picked the three players who, in their opinion, were the most outstanding in each of the following positions, goalkeeper, defence, midfield and forward. So if they're picking three, maybe that's why they have three at the back. Who knows? Right. The goalkeeper, three defenders, three midfielders and three forwards with the most votes in their positions make it into the World eleven. The 11th spot was assigned to the outfield player with the next highest number of votes. Players were free to choose any of their peers. Okay. The voting tool contained a suggestion list, but players were allowed to add other names if they were not mentioned on that list. Interesting. There you go. Okay, thank you for that. A little bit of insight. But right. it's it's just, it's interesting because when it is peers voting, not that it's hard to argue against, but it does make you question how do we get to that, right? Yeah. And I think it's probably a combination of different things about how much football is watched, how easy it is to access various leagues, all that kind of stuff. But I also think it's maybe having a look at engagement in those kind of things. Like when they sent out that link to the survey, how many players from which nations voted. So interesting. Um, yeah, it'd be good to sort of know, just, just from my own kind of insight, you know, were, you know, players in, you know, Ghana, Jamaica, you know, because if you've got the most amount of engagement from European clubs, you're obviously going to get a European type list, I think. So... But yeah, it was. Uh, it looked like a great night. Everyone, I mean, the, the the outfits are getting quite a lot of attention as well on the old socials. A lot of people enjoying Alex Greenwood's outfit. Um, I think Mary Earps had a strong night as well. Very strong night. She's always. I always think her outfits are a little bit quirky. Um, oh. Mary Earps, I, I quite like that. A lot. A lot of love. She for, seemed um, really surprised. Mary did. How? Well, she felt that last year she'd won the the um, best goalkeeper, but didn't make the the t- the team eleven. So she thought this year that if she made the team 11, then she probably wasn't going to win best goalkeeper. So she felt very, she said she really wasn't expecting it. God love her. I don't get it. You must, just, if you're Mary Earps, you must just go to awards, no, <laughs> awards shows now expecting that you have I've already to... made a spot in my cabinet. Li- limo for the ride home with my trophy. Rach, where are you this weekend? Uh, I will be at Arsenal Everton and then I'll be at Chelsea Man United. Lovely. Um, yeah, I'm going to try and pop down to the Chelsea game as well. I just like I'd like some sun. Is what I'd like. It's absolutely Baltic. I just like a, a sunny, it's not a sunny happen. day. No, please. Like it's a, meant to be like real cold, like winter sun. Wrap up, guys. Okay. Uh, Rachel is back on Thursday with one of Chelsea's stars, Neve Charles, to look ahead to the big one against United. Uh, thank you so much for listening. Remember, you can find us on Instagram and X slash Twitter. I am Morgie underscore 89. Rachel is at Girls on the Ball and we are generally at Upfront underscore pod. You can also find us on YouTube at Upfront pod. See you on Thursday. Well, I'll see you on Tuesday. See you. See you, Rachel, Thursday. Upfront is a Stack production and part of the Acast Creator Network. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.
Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years, too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. 